we are social animals. Meeting and speaking with other people and making new meaningful connections can create a profound impact on our daily lives. Generating that feel-good chemical with meaningful experiences with others is a valuable lesson and one to remember throughout your personal and professional lives. Hello friends, welcome to The Theseus Project, a podcast about men's mental health and the pushing of boundaries. I'm your editor and host, Michael Chard. Today's topic, a meet and greet with Richard Donnan from Check Your Head UK. We're continuing our theme for something a little different on The Theseus Project today. From the last episode, you may remember Furkan from the Easy Conversations podcast. He kindly put me in touch with this dapper gentleman. And after exchanging a few messages, we arrange a meetup online. Must admit the chat felt great and we seem to hit it off straight away. A little disclaimer before we go any further. I've not held an interview or conversation on Zoom before. I did one with Furkan, yes, but he was kind of driving the narrative. It was the first time I was the one in the driving seat. So all this experience kind of felt new to me. And in hindsight, probably would have taken a different route. But as they say, every day is a school day. However, I must admit, the experience of getting to know more about someone I just met and their personal, professional background was extremely refreshing. Before we hit record, we covered a lot of common ground and (laughs) looking back, to be honest, I wish I could have recorded that as well. There was some serious golden nuggets in there. So yeah, definitely a growth, definitely a growth experience. So during this conversation, we talk careers, inspirations, influences, um, social media content, messaging, and a few other topics as well. So I'll give you a quick background before we start. Richard is a popular chap on Instagram, take part in many different podcasts, and uh, his content strikes a chord with those who enjoy links in from popular culture, such as films and music. Um, I think he likes to draw uh, similarities between the content of popular culture and how they mirror into our own thoughts and our own experiences. So if you get a chance, please take some time and dig him out, find him out on Instagram. Give his page a follow and also check out a lot of the other interviews he's been involved with. I hope you enjoy the content as much as I do. Very interesting guy. But in any case, here we go. And I hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Right, okay. I think this is recording now. Right, okay. Well, thank you all for tuning in and listening to the latest podcast from the Theseus Project. Uh, today, I have with me uh, Richard Dolan from Check Your Head UK. Um, and he's kindly joined me to have a little conversation about men's mental health. So just to start with, Richard, to get the ball rolling then, your, how did you start your counselling journey? Because your website and your, your content on there, which um, I had a look at earlier on, mentioned about how you're accredited and so on. And what was the driving factor behind you wanted to go down that road of gaining accreditation and learning more about um, mental health and providing a counselling service? 
Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, how long have you got? I'll, I'll, try, I'll try and wrap that <laughs> one. Um, Nothing well, like I an guess... easy one for a starter for 10, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think in terms of the, the kind of the actual study side, the academic journey, that started for me back in 2006. And uh, at the time I was working in uh, like a logistics role. So at some point in that, that training journey, the, the, it required me to kind of work uh, or to carry on studying uh, into sort of work hours and the job at the time weren't willing to be flexible to accommodate that. So I had to sort of pause it, but that made me realize that I needed to find a, a job that was more reflective of that kind of career path that I was building towards. Um, so I took a huge pause really and uh, moved from logistics into social care and then spent the next sort of 12 years or so working in and around health and social care, various local authorities, charities, private care providers, and then ultimately uh, the NHS. That's interesting. So you went for a complete career change. What age was that? Uh, so I would have been in my kind of mid-20s, I suppose, really, when, when that right. happened. Uh, and what it really was is that I'd never really had a huge direction from a career point of view. So I stopped and I thought, what is it that I really, really enjoy? And within the work that I did, there wasn't a great deal. It yeah. was ultimately working to make other people rich and being part of a, you know, being a small cog in a big machine. But what yeah. I enjoyed about it the most was the interaction with people and ultimately kind of helping people to not so much solve problems, but uh navigate challenges and you know, arrive at an outcome that was that was positive for them and i realized that this kind of the person that i had come to understand myself to be i was that guy who my friends would always come to for advice or that if, if somebody wanted to talk to someone about something serious yeah. then it'd be oh you know, rich would always always listen I, I i i understood things on an emotional level um that when i was younger probably had me pegged as a bit uh you know a bit sensitive and a bit a bit shy and, and interestingly talking about the men's mental health thing you know yeah. exactly the sort of thing that a man wasn't meant to be so uh i kind of hid that side of myself but i came to realize actually this is this is kind of who i am so i wanted to work in something that was for the benefit of people you know something that was vocational and something that would enable me to carry on my studies in a way that didn't kind of impact upon um you know what the employer wanted so that mm. led me into social care and I went off on a whole other journey there, um, as I say, ending up kind of in the NHS and then outside of that as a consultant, where I picked up my studies again and sort of closed the book on that journey and started yeah. Yeah, as a therapist full time. So, I mean, having empathy with people, is some, especially as men, has never seemed to be... Um, in this day and age, or in this society, seems to be encouraged. Um, I think we've discussed um, in the past via on Instagram um, how people seem to keep, or men seem to keep that, uh, keep stiff upper lip, keep calm, carry on, man up, sort of a routine. Um, it's interesting that you discovered that empathy, you know, empathy sort of connection at a relatively early age as you're a young man and decided to move on and change direction and I suppose what I'm thinking of here is um being stuck in one particular career and doing something which doesn't feed your soul doesn't please your soul um that can slowly ebb and eat away at the person inside and I suppose when you make that dramatic right turn 
um, providing it's the right thing to do for yourself, obviously. You're chasing what it is that you really want to get out of life. And that feeling of achievement, I mean, you must have felt elated once you certainly once you got all your qualifications, you start up your own practice, you started your own counseling business. That, that, that final connection of being able to help and assist other people must have been quite soothing for you. Yeah, I think you've really perfectly articulated my, my experience there early on in that I wasn't happy, I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And I worked in very um, sort of alpha male masculine environments. I used to manage fleets of drivers. So it was very aggressive, you know, it was very kind of, um, you know, physical labor, lots of banter. No, not, not the sort of place where, you know, empathy um, or uh, displays of sensitivity are kind of received well. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it was difficult to kind of navigate that. And I did, uh, it's interesting you say I must have felt this sense of relation because really I, I'm only at the beginning of my journey. Yeah, there's, there's far more study still to come, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely, of course, know, yeah. Yeah, I'm much more learning and development. But I think what I've achieved you know through this is a kind of uh, a sense of um a sense of peace and i i i know that i'm never going to have to work for anybody again if that makes sense because i'm now completely independent and it's good it has been challenging and it will continue to be challenging but i'm doing what i'm meant to be doing and i'm really cautious about saying that without the caveat of what i'm not saying is that this is my calling because there are a lot of yeah. people that come into therapy that have this this need to um, to help others in order to validate themselves. And I guess when I say it's what I'm meant to be doing, I say that in terms of it's what I'm meant to be doing, whether I like it or not. You know, there are other things out there, given the opportunity that I probably, you know, enjoy equally as much or if not more. But this is the way that I'm made. This is the way that I'm put together. And through sure. uh, looking at the world through a kind of a therapeutic lens is the only way that it really makes sense to me. So I'm being the best version of myself in this role. And it, mm. as it so happens, in doing so, I'm able to offer something to other people who yeah. need it. Uh, so it's that kind of you know, yin-yang thing. I'm, I'm, I'm fitting into the space that the world has created for me. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people struggle to find that. And that's perhaps what you're talking about, that, that being in a situation where they don't fit in uh, and they don't know why, you know, it, they do ebb, uh, it does grind them down. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of filled with this this yearning for something different, something more. Not a lot of people ever get a chance. Yeah, I suppose it's when you mention that um, that career change, that movement, um, and that feeling of uh, going and do something else with your, with your career and your time, um, that's something that resonates with me because I've changed career a couple of times now. And um, hopefully this last one will connect, but time will tell. <laughs> yeah. So in, um, I checked you, you know, on your website, I mentioned you've been um, a counsellor for 12 or 12 plus years or so, um, or qualified. It, what changes have you seen? Um, and what has your experience been in mental health in that time? I mean, obviously, you mentioned that in your career, when you started in logistics, it's very masculine, and you were sheltered, I suppose, from the wider aspect of men's mental health. And now you've been on the flip side of that, where you're providing a service. Have you... Have you seen a trend or change in the trend of people's perception towards men's mental health? Or is it something that is, I mean, we've all still got far, far way to go. That's that's true. But do you think well, men are actually making that move now? Yeah, it's definitely different now. And just to just to clear that up, I haven't been practicing as a counsellor for 12 years. I've only been in private practice for over a year, but I've worked within 
the mental health system for the oh, best part of 12 years. And because a lot of that time was spent in, uh, you know, on the kind of the other side of the fence, so as part of the system within commissioning, within uh, local authority services, what I've seen is the, the kind of the outdated and archaic systems that are in place to, to yeah. support people out there. And I think to, to talk specifically about men's mental health, I think that's only something that itself as a phrase is only something that's become, you know, widely used in the last couple of years. Mm. So to go back to the, the logistics role that I had, it was actually in waste management and a, a terrible thing happened in that um, there, was a, there was an accident whereby um, a member of the public had stepped off of the curb behind a reversing vehicle and ended up going underneath and uh, you know it resulted in fatality and I took the call from the driver who had had been at the wheel when that happened who was yeah. obviously in, in a huge state of shock and I recall the way in which that was handled and that was treated which was not particularly uh, well not, not particularly sensitively and mm. uh, uh, yeah and that was sort of yeah that was about 14 years ago and I, I don't think it would have been treated that way now i think there's a, a much greater awareness of mental health and you know being responsive to it within uh you know, from an employer's point of view yeah. but what to answer your question more pointedly i think men's mental health now is something that people are, are much more aware of being a thing in relation to uh you know gender stereotypes um the kind of uh, the, the challenges that we're seeing in terms of how uh, how diversity and equality is taking centre stage, and there are issues which have been you know for many years that are unique to men that have been brushed under the carpet that can mm. no longer be ignored. So I think it's being addressed in a way that is you know very much overdue, but still nobody really quite knows how to get to grips with it. Because as soon as you bring up something that's gender specific, you get into those difficult sort of conversations around uh, discrimination and equality and stuff like that so we, we've still got a way to go I think where we can uh, be a lot more open about it without getting tied up in other things yeah so you mean well let's see if I can change the mood slightly that was, that was <laughs> a, little, a little darker than I thought I didn't expect that sort of answer no, well, no don't, uh, yeah. don't, don't apologize that was lovely I, that was brilliant it was perfect uh, perfect response um so uh I've been following your content on Instagram for some time now since we were introduced by Furkan, which I hope he's listening. So if he is, uh, big <laughs> thumbs up. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I find you, the, the content that you put out um, authentic, honest and simple uh, is easily digestible. And it's something which is uh, quick fire. I suppose it, it perfectly complements the way that this meet the social media is supposed to be which is in the feed grabs your attention for a little amount of time and is able to communicate something quite poignant um and i found that some of the the movie references and things you've brought in um seem to cut through the mire so any 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 fog or anything else about uh regarding to men's mental health or mental health in general, not necessarily just for men. Uh, you've find, managed to find either a snippet or a scene in a movie and you say it and that kind of elates it to another level where it's just cuts through and then attacks, it attaches a, a feel to it, a nostalgic feel to it. I mean, where did you get 
that inspiration from and what do you do you intend to develop that further do you think that perhaps there's something else you could run with there is there something that you might be able to you know to uh, to go with it and feel and use that inspiration a bit further and what what kind of inspires you from that movie perspective um i mean it's, i really appreciate the feedback it's great that, that, it, that it connects with you what i'll be honest about uh, that i've struggled with is how to uh you know create content that people will engage with because i think on instagram people really just want something that they can scroll through and double tap within seconds so they don't really have to actually go into they can just see an image maybe a few words and i've experimented with different stuff um and i've said this to a few people recently i think my most liked posts at the moment are literally a picture of me like my face and some words and that, that's pretty much it in comparison to some of the quotes uh, the film quotes i've built on which perhaps maybe take two or three minutes to read um but my inspiration for it was as you say just to create something that people could engage with that didn't make them think, oh, right, okay, we're talking about mental health now. I have to kind of <clears throat> you know, get myself into serious mode. So something that they that they might recognize from a film. So I try to use films that are not completely mainstream, but are films that mean something to me, but are recognizable enough that someone will go, oh yeah, I recognize that character and I recognize that quote. So it instantly it will, it will enable them to recall the scene. And what I try and do is pick a scene or pick a, a quote that the context of which creates emotions that allow me to then talk about uh, a theme or a topic that relates to uh, something that ultimately affects people's mental health. And you're limited by the characters on Instagram, so I can't go onto a massive essay. And it's just about trying to make a point and someone can go, oh yeah, ah, right. That's, I felt like that. I didn't know that's what it was. Or I'm interested in finding out a little bit more about that. Well, that makes sense. Rather than filling it with loads of jargon, which, you know, if they haven't come across any kind of psychological textbooks they probably won't know what it is and yeah they'll, they'll tune out so it was, a, it was about making something relatable from experiences that i've had that have helped me to put um you know uh, emotional experiences into context mm. yeah really good um i suppose now if you had a message that you wanted to communicate to any specific age group of men saying this pick something out of the I see an older uh, older generation of men who um, probably come from right about the 60s sort of area 50s and 60s and they're still dealing with it um, dealing with their emotions their mental health issues um, what would your singular piece of advice would be what would be your top tip for say the older generation of people that um, would like to approach the subject or, or open up about it is there any particular tip hints tips you can give them uh, I would say it's about uh, accepting that it's not their fault. They don't know how to talk about their feelings because they were never taught how to do it. You know, didn't, their fathers didn't talk about it. Generationally, it wasn't something that men did. So it's only really now that the kind of, I'd say, generation that came after ours are a bit more comfortable with it. Um, so, you know, if you, if you want to talk about something, don't, don't feel bad that you don't know how to have that conversation because you've never been shown that it's not your fault. But there are people out there, like me or other people, that are able to help you do that in a way that doesn't impact upon your friendships, your relationships, your family. There are safe spaces out there. Uh, all you've got to do is pick up the phone, send an email, or you know, make a make a um, make a few kind of inquiries on the net. But don't feel that it's something that you need to take complete responsibility for. Go and get some help. And I suppose. 
carrying on with that, what would be your tips to anybody, male, female, young, old, tips for dealing with overwhelming feelings, runaway thoughts, aggression, something which, um, uh, for an example, unwanted criticism comes in and all of a sudden it sends them off in this big spiral of, of overreacting, overthinking, which is obviously something I covered on my podcast, earlier podcast, um, yeah. and then dwelling on it and taking it away. If you Anything you can give to people that may stew and may think about things over the longer term? Yeah, I think uh, the type of therapy that I do is more talking therapy, so it's not so much sort of CBT or solution-focused therapy, but I think what's happening there is that um, something is, is, is kind of triggering some deep-seated anxieties or insecurities within them, or some messages perhaps that they've, that they've had over their life or have had reinforced about self-worth. So when somebody is critical of us or offers up something that we interpret as criticism, it's usually because it's confirming something we believe about ourselves, something negative. So I guess from a tips perspective, it's about recognise what's happening for you in that moment. Try and engage with the, the physical response you're having and actually you know uh, stop and kind of allow yourself to process those feelings instead of trying to suppress them. Quite often it's about maybe just taking a little step back, giving yourself a few minutes to reframe your perspective. But from a talking therapy point of view, it's about understanding what it is that's, that's causing you to react that way in the first place, and kind of unpicking that rather than putting a sort of a sticking plaster over the top. But you know, it is a message that I hammer home consistently yeah what you feel is real why you feel it that's a whole other thing but what you're feeling is real so don't reject what you're feeling and don't judge yourself and feel bad for what you're feeling that's the first step is accept it and that's what yeah. therapy obviously does is it accepts how you feel and it validates that yeah and it's something that i've personally struggled with is don't try to dismiss your feelings straight away and your yeah. immediate first your immediate um, knee-jerk reaction is to go I'm I'm being stupid or I'm being overreacted or I'm this or I'm that is to whilst you may not want to fly off the handle or become quick-tempered or anything if someone's saying something negative but you just you know acknowledge the fact that I, I, I have to tell myself this I have to acknowledge the fact that um, I'm feeling in a particular way of x y and z because someone's made let's use an, let's use an old adage um, I'm six foot seven I am bloody huge um, um so i get that a lot which is oh wow aren't you tall so much so that i've actually got some cards in my wallet which uh from uh, tutor.com where i buy all my clothes from they uh they they produce these cards that you can actually give to people that you fill out and it says like yes the weather is good up here you know, i'm six foot seven thank you for asking no i don't play basketball have a nice day um and the comments that I've received in the past is something which I always find quite grating. So yeah, going back to get back to my point, <laughs> tangent. Um, yeah. Get back to my point. There, it was. Um, I've got to tell myself that I'm allowed to have these feelings. I'm allowed to be yeah. um, upset, but overreacting and becoming immediately confrontational on the back of someone passing an off the cuff com comment, whether it was intentional or not, or ignorant or not. It's something yeah. that I, I need to, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, validate your own feelings. And there's something in there about the fight or flight response as well. So you yeah, know, the defensiveness, that confrontational kind of re reaction comes from uh, quite often us being poised and primed to go into that kind of either that, that defensive mode where we internalize it and start to feel bad about ourselves, 
you know, you blame yourself for being, why am I so poor? Or you kind of go the other way and be very critical, of like, well, what's your problem with me being so poor sort of thing? And, you know, it's an exhausting place. Your nervous system is fried because you're constantly, you know, ready to go into one state or the other. So it's, as you say, validating, accepting your feelings. And then you, once you've started to do that, you can explore what's putting you into that state and you know be a little bit more i think it's about being kinder to yourself as well you know mm. we all have days where we're not firing on all cylinders you know we, we've got to be more um you know more uh accommodating to, to the fact that we that we have off days you know be less yeah. judgmental of ourselves yeah well um i'm kind of I think I've answered all of my questions I had lined up here. Um, and I suppose one last thing would be to say that uh, something which I'm going to admit is not a question that I wrote. It was something which I thought was actually quite a good idea was if you could okay. summarize, um, if you could summarize all your thoughts and feelings and knowledge, and you wanted to put, you want to build a, put a billboard up on the top of a really tall building and it was something that you could probably put up there as a message for everyone to see. What would what would your billboard say? And how would you go about getting, you know, how would you get your a message across? What do you want I'll to tell communicate? You, I'll tell you exactly what I'd say. And I mentioned earlier about this sort of experimenting with different types of content, see what people engage with. So I, I put a post up, it was just a black and white picture of me, and I wrote a quote. It was my own words, something that's been said many times in many different ways, but um, I stand by this. It said, um, and this is what I would say to anybody, be yourself. Some people won't like it and some people will. The only thing that really matters is that you like yourself because that's ultimately what uh, I think is the key to true happiness. You know, Find a way to like yourself and then it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. But if you spend your life trying to be somebody else or what somebody else wants you to be, you'll never be happy in yourself. Yeah. Well, Richard, it's been brilliant you having you on the podcast. I'd love to have you back again and hopefully That's give you a fear. few more testing questions. Hopefully not <laughs> one to start off the, hopefully not one as serious as how did you get started next time? Perhaps we'll start off with a little appetite or a little starter. I, I won't bring any dark stories from my days in logistics. <laughs> either, so no, 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 no. It was, it was great to have it. So, Richard, where, where can... Um, people find you then what where can they um stalk you down and learn more about you and your business uh, so yeah they can find me on uh, on instagram check your head uk um or they can go to my website check your head.co.uk and uh yeah i work online face to face and walk and talk uh so if you're local and you want to get in touch with uh, view to any sessions then please do otherwise i do work with people up and down the country online it's been brilliant having you on. Thanks again, thank uh, Richard. I've really, really enjoyed it. And thank you again for reaching out. I really appreciate it. No, you're all welcome. Thanks very much. Finally, a quick disclaimer. The thesis project and myself are not professionals. If you have a serious mental health crisis and need urgent assistance, Please, please, please seek assistance from the emergency services. If you're in the UK, you can now self-refer to the NHS Talking Therapies online. Just a quick search and you've taken the first step. Full disclaimer, I've done this. 
and I found it extremely helpful. Remember, there's no shame in asking for help. It is completely fine and it's okay to not be okay. Feel free to contact us at The Theseus Project on Instagram, either by dropping some comments or sliding directly into the DMs. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and any of our other podcasts. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Please don't forget to like and subscribe or leave a five-star review if you enjoyed this podcast. And I look very much to exploring more mental health topics and more cool stuff with you again very soon.